Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Around the Corner, the Covering the Corner Prospect podcast. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, how are you? I'm doing amazing. I'm so happy to be talking prospects again. Excellent. And so it's a good thing that you're on this podcast because that's exactly what we're going to do. I like the sound of that. And so we're going to go ahead and kick things off for this year overall for the podcast by reviewing who you guys voted for as the top guys in the system. And then we'll have some features for other players that we think are of note and other things to keep an eye out for this season. And so before we get started with our 20 to one countdown, uh, I just want to say, yes, Brian, you're right. It's great to be back. Oh, it really is. I, I, I was happy even though we were in lockdown uh, or the lockout uh, that we were still able to do the prospect countdown. That's always one of my favorite parts of the year. So uh, just getting to, you know, get out the type and fingers and start putting stuff together. Cause I pretty much take from the end of the season until opening day off, other than the prospect countdown and maybe some rule five draft stuff. So uh, it, it, it's good to be back. We went 99 days without baseball, yeah. and, and this countdown was like one of the only things that was awesome that happened, so uh, it's going to be fun to rehash it here. Yeah, it really is. Kicking us off at number 20, Tobias Myers from yeah, now, Haven, Florida. A lot of people aren't familiar with Tobias Myers because he's never pitched or performed in Cleveland system. Um we got him basically as a roster casualty from Tampa Bay. Uh, they released him. Uh, they have the best prospect system or minor league system in baseball in terms of uh, elite prospects. And they didn't have a, a spot for him, even though he was excellent last year. And uh, and it was crazy. Right, Basically right before the 40-man the deadline for the Rule 5 draft, where Cleveland, I think, added like, 11 players, maybe 12 from their own minor league system. They also added Tobias Myers. (laughs) So that's how much they thought of him, that he was worth an extra roster spot. So, uh, and and this guy's good. He really is. Um, He, he basically pitched a double A and triple A last year, had really good strikeout walk ratios. Um, And between double A and triple A combined, his ERA was three ninety. Um, he's young, uh, for the most part. Um, so throws in the low to mid nineties. I mean, he's basically ready to, 
help out the team right now, but he'll probably start the year in AAA. It's interesting because suddenly there's a little bit more room in the starting pitching conversation now. And we, you're right, we haven't talked about him. We, in this case, I think being the greater Cleveland Guardians fan universe at all, other than him just cracking the countdown. So I mean, you're right, honestly, he could end up being a really intriguing guy for the team this year. He would probably be ranked higher if people had got a chance to see him last year in the system. So just saying that, he's he's probably higher, better than that, than what we're even giving him credit for. Um, so we'll see how he performs this year, but my expectations are really high. Plus, he's from Winter Haven, and that's cool. Yeah, that's where you know we used to have our spring training before we moved out to Arizona. I One of these podcasts, I just want to go long on what Chain of Lakes Park was like. <laughs> uh, but we won't do it today. Awesome. Well, uh, next up, uh, number 19, Xavion Curry um, is the number 19 prospect, a right-handed pitcher. Uh, do you want to start with Xavion, or would you prefer I uh, do it? I'd love to lead off with him. Yeah, go ahead. He, he kind of felt like he came out of nowhere last well, season. That he would was... make sense, because the year we drafted him, he didn't pitch at all. Yeah. And then they had the pandemic season that canceled the entire minor league season. So he went a year and a half in the system without even getting to, to perform. So last year was his first season getting to play, even though he was a 2019 draft pick. When I remember when he started the scoreless streak, and we I, I think I asked you at the time, who the hell? And you were like, oh, yeah, it, it, we've just never seen him. And he's always been good, but this is what happens when you don't get to pitch for two years is some guys just get forgotten. Yep. He was a college arm in that uh, 2019 draft and a seventh round pick. But I remember hearing like, this guy's really good. He's got nasty breaking pitch. Um, and I was really excited to see how he was going to perform probably at, you know, rookie ball where, he, you know, the college pitchers will come in and just obliterate these poor high schoolers. And we just, it never happened. So, and then you kind of forgot about him. Um, and then he basically started last year at the lowest of full season at low A um, in Lynchburg. And he annihilated everyone. I mean, it wasn't even close. Uh, as you mentioned, 15 scoreless innings to start his career. Um, and then uh, gets promoted, goes 17 scoreless innings in high A gets promoted to double A at the end of the season and then even pitches in their playoff game and Akron ends up winning the the double A championship. So, I mean, and he was a, a part of that. Like, that's amazing that uh, in his first season, he already made it three levels to double A. Yeah. And just going back over the tweets that we included in our breakdown for Curry, he's got such a silly curveball. Mm-hmm. Like the one that we included from the call up pod is just this catches it right at the ankles above the clay. The catcher does the hitter has no chance mm-hmm. bugs, bunny stuff. And his fastball is not, I don't want to say it's not a normal fastball, but it dances. It yeah, does something. It's got some life to it. I don't, so, I don't want to call it ride because it doesn't feel like that's the way it's going, but I don't know. Yep. He he was one of those players. It's that a kinda... goofy pitch. It's fun. I think Cleveland has found like a niche in players that uh, drop for 
silly reasons. Like he's not the tallest guy, basically, right? Oh no. Uh, he, yeah, he's like six foot, maybe six one. I'm not even sure if he's six foot, but boom, he he still does exactly what Cleveland loves. He's he hits the zone, he doesn't walk, and he gets a lot of strikeouts with some really good off speed stuff. And then boom, he just slots right in to the Cleveland pitching factory. Yeah, he's got so. two plus pitches and then mm-hmm. the control is good enough that his other stuff will work if he works off of his awesome pitches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have seen it a lot. So yeah, he, he should probably either probably start the season at double a, but I mean, it's not going to be long till he's at triple a, if he doesn't start the season there. That'd so, be fun. Yep. Uh, next up, we've got Angel Martinez. He was our number 18 prospect and really interesting young player. Uh, he was our top international or one of our top international signings in the years after the, the craziness with, uh, you know, George Valera and, and all them. Uh, and he debuted last year in low a full season, got off to a really hot start and then cooled off in the second half, which I can understand a little bit. Um, just because a uh, really young player and that was his first time getting to play that much professional baseball in one year. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, for, for quite a while, he was, he was really looking good. Like people were talking about that. He had the highest uh, like uh, peripherals in terms of uh, his stats and everything among all the players in full season ball that were 18 or younger, he was like top three. And it's interesting because we talk a lot about many other switch hitting, multi-talented middle infielders in the system. Mm -hmm. And I think simply because Martinez has been so far away, Mm -hmm. we could see the very same kind of process that Rokio and, and Bracco went through where, once upon a time, they were just, you know, just these guys kind of who were kind of well thought of in rookie ball, but weren't necessarily considered top prospects. And now that they're close, that's changing fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brocco didn't necessarily have the best year last season, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yep. And and this kid's a burner on the base paths, too. So I, I'm really excited about him. Um, I mean, I would expect this season he, he debuts at high A. And then we'll see how he goes. Uh, it could be similar to last year, how Rokio uh, went at high A and then prom- got promoted to double A because he was performing so well. Mm-hmm. And then Rokio crushed it at double A. We'll get to that, though. We'll get to that. <laughs> There's, you know, hint, hint. <laughs> so Peyton Battenfield is our number 17 prospect. Mm-hmm. He was actually drafted by the Strohs in the ninth yes. round of 2019. Mm-hmm. And... And another re- he's another guy that fans probably aren't super familiar with, mainly because he was only in our system for the last half of the season. Uh, we acquired him in a trade. I think it was, uh, what was it? It was with the, was that the one where we gave up our, oh my God, I'm, I'm totally blanking. How did we? <laughs> I... I was it when we gave up uh, our right fielder. Yeah, he had been. I think the the Rays acquired him from the Astros, but then we got him from the Rays for Jordan Luplo and T.J. Johnson. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, 
I think the yeah yeah the the thing I like most about him was he didn't have to be added to the forty man roster. So uh, because he was a twenty nineteen draft pick, um, we didn't have to you know knock somebody else off, and so we can hang on to him this year. And and we acquired him as a double A pitcher already. So I mean, this season he's going to be starting the year at Triple A almost certainly, and he'll be knocking on the door for the big league club, but we don't have to call him up because we don't need to add him to the 40 man yet. So he's somebody that we can kind of sit on a little bit and and just observe. And if he forces our hand, then that's great. But I mean, we've already got five rock solid starters at the major league level as well. I think he might. This is one of the quotes from the article with David Lorilla of Fangraphs was Mm -hmm. uh, it's about perceived movement. If my fastball is moving at a 22 vertical and my cutter is at a, a 10 vertical to the hitters, it's going to look like it has depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, this this dude is excellent. Um, another guy that seems just made for Cleveland's developmental system. Mm-hmm. High strikeouts, low walks. Um, and he also had a, a very strong finish to the year in uh, Akron. So I don't think it'll take him long. We'll see. (laughs) Yep. So not surprising. Moving on. Uh, This one is somebody that uh, lost a little bit of their luster, but I know he's still one of your favorites. Uh, Bo Naylor was Mm -hmm. our number 16 prospect this year. Uh, Basically, he started the year skipping a grade. Uh, He went straight from regular single A, uh, skipped over high A, and went straight to double A. And um, it was it was a rough year. I mean, it really wasn't um, uh, the, the way that uh, you wanted him to perform after the hype that we had on him as one of our former uh, first round draft picks. Sure. I uh, slashed 243, 313, 421. So didn't show a lot of power, didn't show a lot of patience, struck out a lot. Uh but defensively, he was excellent, which is which is always good, and that's you know kind of the the thing that they care about the most at the big league level. But I was really hoping that he was going to showcase uh, some of that hitting that he hit showcased uh, two seasons ago in that single A when they jumped him straight to full season, and yep. he had the the ten 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 season with uh, one of the few players in minor league baseball with ten triples, ten home runs, ten doubles as a catcher of all things. Yeah. And that's, I acknowledge there are struggles for him offensively now relative to the level of the system that he's at, but not necessarily for his position. And especially for a multi-sport guy who never played baseball year round, who is behind developmentally because he's Mm -hmm. from Canada. And I know that sounds like woo woo hippy dippy stuff in some sense, but it's a real consideration if you're yep. from a cold weather climate. Plus, he's got that bloodline. You know, his older brother's on the team, Josh Naylor. Yeah, so. I I wouldn't bet against the Naylors. Yep. So I'm I'm not in super concerned. I mean, the guy is crazy talented. Yeah. Uh, he he went high in the draft for a reason. I just think he had a, a difficult adjustment last year and it never quite settled in. Uh, never got on some crazy hot streak. So I'm hoping, I'm wondering what they do this year, if uh, they start him again at double A, or if they just keep him along that promotional path. 
Um, he's young enough that they can, you know, take their time, especially with uh, another catcher that we will get to um, turning some heads. So um, again, I'm not super concerned. I, I still think that he can be our catcher of the future. Um, we just have to hope that uh, he kind of figures it out at the plate after a, an extra year of development and hopefully uh, working on some things in the offseason. Agreed. And next up on our list at number 15, Petey Halpin. Uh, this guy I am super hyped on. Um, he was probably one of our top draft picks in the 2020 draft. Um, and I mean, he was our third round pick, but I think we had about three or four guys ahead of him that year. And he just got on fire for the second half of last season. Um, it was interesting. It is, he, they debuted him at full season ball, but they waited to do it until, uh, the, the Arizona season had started. And so I was, was like, teenager. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he was, he was still 19 years old. Um, so I was just like, you know, where's, where's Petey Halpin on the, the Arizona, you know, roster, the, I guess they're the ACL team now, the Arizona complex league. Oh boy. Um, instead of the AZL, but, uh, and he, he was nowhere to be found. And then boom, all of a sudden he, he shows up on Lynchburg and he really finished the season strong, basically from, in August and September, he slashed 344, 433, 451 with a 146 WRC plus. Um, also walking 12% of the time. I mean, that was impressive. I mean, this guy, you know, we keep talking about how the team is lacking in outfield prospects. After a Those certain, are some numbers. <laughs> after a certain num- uh, super hyped up outfield prospect that we have in the system, Petey's the next guy. I mean, he is really, really intriguing. Uh, there's a reason that they gave him a super over slot bonus when we drafted mm-hmm. him out of high school and he is living up to the hype. I mean, this guy can hit, uh, he can steal bases. He has patience at the plate. Um, the strikeout rate isn't alarming. Um, I like everything about him. So, and I don't know if you saw, he, he got to play in one of the first uh, spring training games and uh, had a really impressive diving catch as well. Nice. So the defense is is good as well. Okay, now he he hasn't been high on my radar previously, though I've certainly mm-hmm. known about him. But this seems like a season in which he might be able to make a name for himself, especially yeah. if if the slash numbers are any indication of mm-hmm. true talent level. Oh boy, yeah, let's I, go. And well, last year was his debut, so I mean, there's a lot of players that are kind of going to jump out because we had that lost season. (laughs) And then, uh, so 2020, basically anybody that was drafted in 2020 has a chance to, to really surprise us. Yes. And, uh, and PD was one of those guys for sure. Uh, he, he did everything that I was hoping for. And then some, so, uh, moving on is that catcher. We were talking about Brian Lavastida. He was our number 14, uh, draft pick or our number 14 prospect. And uh, let's, let's hear about him a little bit. What, what, what are your thoughts on Mr. Uh, Lavastida? All he really seems to do is hit wherever mm-hmm. he goes. <laughs> yeah. And I like that in a player. Yeah. At every level he has hit. Well, he has put together a good walk rate and he has <laughs> a low strikeout rate. Um, and then last year, basically what happened was uh, he, 
started the year at high A, just hit the tar out of the ball, got promoted to double A where Bo Naylor was, and he continued to crush the ball. And then he even got a, a little cup of coffee at triple A uh, because the I think we went through a stretch there where we were calling up like any catcher we could find because mm-hmm. everybody was hurt. Um, so we had a vacancy at AAA and they're like, hey, screw it. Let's see how Avastina does a AAA. And uh, I don't think he did quite as well there. But I mean, the fact that a catcher jumped three levels <laughs> uh, in one season, I mean, he turned heads and he is now definitely somebody that is on our radar. We I think we added him to the, the 40-man roster. Um, he is a guy that absolutely could be uh, one of our catchers of the future. Um, and uh, I think he was, uh, what, what's crazy is he was never a catcher. <laughs> right. So, um, I, he only started catching after we drafted him. I think he was a shortstop. So, or, or that, third baseman. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, one of those, his arms good enough to play either position. It depends on how his range shakes out, but I the Indian, excuse me, the guardians, I think have um, something about athleticism at the catcher position they think is more valuable than other teams think Mm -hmm. because all of the guys in our system are extremely athletic for that position. Isn't that interesting? It is. So with Lavastita, it's the hitting that's there. And I would say the defense isn't quite at that same level as some of our other really top uh, catching prospects. But it's getting there. It's 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 improving. Um, so uh, I'm really anxious to see uh, how he performs this year. I'm assuming that they're going to start him at Triple uh, Like basically, wherever Naylor goes, they'll probably have Lavastita at the other level between Double A AA and Triple A because they they want these guys to be catching full time all day mm-hmm. each game. So that, I that's, wonder. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming, sorry. yeah, I'm assuming Naylor is going to start at Double A again, and Lavastida is just going to go straight to Triple A. That would make sense to me, and especially with him on the forty man now. So I don't know that he's the type of player that would be like a star level catcher at any point, mm-hmm. but if certainly a guy who is a decent game caller and hits more than two hundred, it would be nice. It would be nice not to have an automatic out at the bottom of the lineup. Yeah. And I, I do not think he would be one, at the, even at the at the MLB level, for sure. And so after La Bastida, we have number 13, Jose Tena. Yeah, Jose Tena is a guy that had a good season last year, but didn't, like, blow anyone's mind. Um, I mean, it was still above average at the high A level. But what he really, what he really turned heads was in that Arizona f- Fall League um, post the regular season where all a bunch of the top prospects go. And even though he was one of the youngest players in that entire league, I think he won the batting crown <laughs> and nice. Yeah. People were just like, Whoa, who's this dude? Uh, and, and again, he was in there with some of the best prospects in all of baseball. So uh, the fact that he stood out while performing with guys that are just filling out the top 100 MLB prospects uh was impressive. So Cleveland was had his kind of hand forced, even though he'd never played a double A, they added him to the 40 man roster at uh, when it was time to that roster crunch at the end of November. One that hasn't quite resolved itself yet either. I mean, the 40 man version of it has, but there yeah. are still many, many guys such as Tana who are incredibly valuable. 
at middle infield potentially yeah. and, and still making their way up the ranks. And I think the thing that is so intriguing about him as well is that he also is a part of that vaunted uh, international draft class from 2017 that had guys like uh, Aaron Bracco, Jose Tena, and then two more guys, three more guys that we'll be talking about as we get closer to number one. So um, just a crazy, insanely talented uh, international draft class that year. Who was running things for like them? <laughs> whoever, whoever it was that was our international scout should be like the head of our minor league system by now after what they did five years ago, basically. But I mean, he put forth, uh, let's see, um, in last year. Yeah, he had a 115 WRC plus at high A. And uh, he kind of broke out with uh, showcasing a little bit of power as well. So uh, jumped a uh, hundred points with his ISO hitting 16 home runs. So, you know, this is a guy that, again, another super talented shortstop. I mean, who'd have thought another, you know, elite shortstop in Cleveland's minor league system. And next up, we come to number 12, uh, Mr. Cody Morris and just yesterday, actually, yeah. we received some unfortunate news that, uh, according to Cleveland.com, he will miss four to six weeks with a shoulder strain, the terrace major muscle, for those mm-hmm. concerned with specifics. And that's honestly the one thing that has been the biggest concern about Morris is injuries. Um, I don't think he pitched the year we drafted him, um, and... Um, then when he did debut the following year, back in uh, 2019, he impressed. But then uh, after the the pandemic s- skipped season last year, he didn't debut until about halfway through the season. Now, when he did pitch, he was insane. I mean, absolutely insane. 36% strikeout rate at AA gets promoted. 36% strikeout rate at AAA and then drops his walk rate half a percent. He was sensational. Yeah, he had a 135 ERA at AA, 172 ERA at AAA. I mean, he, and, and he had more starts at AAA. So this wasn't just like a small sample size. He had nine games started at AAA. Uh, so this is a guy that I'm extremely excited about. I mean, he touches 100 miles an hour um, and... The, the only issue is these injuries. So missing half of last season, missing the a little bit of the season, the year he was drafted. And then now um, he's going to be uh, postponing the start of his 2022 season. And he was impressing Tito. Like, I mean, this is a guy that absolutely is going to be pushing for time in the starting rotation. But if the injuries keep happening, he might end up getting limited to bullpen use. Which, I mean, I'm not going to complain about if we've got a guy with killer killer stuff that can throw 100 miles an hour. I mean, I'm never going to complain about a guy that can throw 100 miles an hour coming out of our bullpen. And he added a cutter in the offseason, too. Yep. And we're not going to get to see it for some time now. At least a month. Shucks. So, yep. Well, uh, if you want to no. continue Number 11, counting. after yep. Cody Morris, is someone that I think... I, I don't think. I know you and I are both excited about. Mm-hmm. But would you like to talk about Stephen Kwan? Yes. Um, I see. S- 
Go ahead. <laughs> Stephen Kwan, he's a, when we drafted him, he was uh, on uh, the national championship uh, Oregon State um, team that had just won the College World Series. And he has been excellent his entire career. I mean, he was above average in the high A back in uh, 2019, I think, as their leadoff man, a uh, guy that could just get on base, didn't strike out a lot, and but but he wasn't showing any power. So that was really my one thing that I was concerned about was uh, he was a guy that is great for being at the top of the order, makes contact, doesn't uh, earns walks, gets on base, does all the little things, but is he going to be a, a bigger threat with the bat? And that's what happened last year. He took a ridiculous step in his development. Um, he went from a guy that had, uh, I think, like one home run in his entire minor league uh, career to uh, how many did he hit last year? Uh, last season in 2021, Quan hit five in AAA and seven in AA. Yeah, to, to, to going to 12. <clears throat> now, you know, you're not going to expect somebody to make a huge power spike now because he is a college bat. So, you know, the, the development in terms of, you know, muscle gain and all that isn't expected to be crazy. But the fact that he really increased that line drive percentage and just started crushing extra base hits and home runs on top of just murdering the baseball between double A and triple A. Um, I mean, I'm ecstatic about this no, kid. Uh, this he, I mean, is not a joke. Yeah, Fangraphs I mean, has 80 future value on his hit tool right yeah, now. They love him. Hello. And on base. I've never seen that before. Last ever. year, his on base was over 400 for the season. That's good for like, you know, a player of the week type situation. So, uh, I mean, he put up bananas numbers last year. Um, so... This is a guy that I think has really flown under the radar. Uh, people are sleeping on him. I've been hyping him up pretty much all of last year. I wasn't hyping him up before because he wasn't showcasing quite that threat with the bat. But, uh, I mean, this is a guy that you could pair with Miles Straw at the top of the lineup and have like a crazy one-two punch of dudes just getting on base and setting the table for our mashers. Like, I, I would... I, I would honestly, no joke, I would be starting Stephen Kwan if if I had the reins with a, if I had control of Cleveland's, uh, like, if I was the GM, he would be my starting left fielder on opening day. Yeah, you know, if if Naylor is well enough to play right field again, mobility wise, if Kwan Straw and Josh Naylor is actually, I think, in outfield, it's quite nice to trot out there. Assuming mm-hmm. we'll see. We will see. I I won't say anything. Yeah, it's I, a very I, I, delicate time to discuss front office matters. <laughs> it is, but no, seriously. I mean, Stephen Kwan. I am th- to the moon about this kid. Um, he is the the one that I think is most likely to break camp with the team out of all of the kids that have not made their major league debut yet on uh, in the minor league system. Because he's good. He is really good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next up is another very fun prospect who we talked about quite a bit last season, John Kensey Noel. Yeah. I mean, 
he kind of came out of nowhere. Now, if you'd been really paying attention, you'd know that I think at age 16, he hit like double digit home runs in the Dominican Summer League. So he's been showing power his whole career. But what he did last year was he hit for power and average without striking out much. I mean, in 2021, he batted 340 with 19 home runs, 66 RBIs, on base percentage 390, 615 slugging, OPS over 1,000. For know what the that, season. For the season. You know what that makes me think, Brian? Yeah. Bonk. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you keep wondering, like, when is Cleveland finally going to have, like, that super threatening first base type of prospect? I think this, this could be this the is, guy. This is the dude. And again, that 2017 international class with Jose Tena. Um, so <laughs> I, there's a reason. And, and I was, I was, you know, kind of being rude, but I ended my article about him uh, from our uh, prospect countdown with keep his seat warm, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming. I think the craziest thing is how hard this guy hits the ball. I think, what was it? Yeah. Out of his 19 home runs last year, eight of them had exit velocities over 110 miles an hour. Elite. Like this guy legitimately could poke a hole in uh, Cleveland's uh, scoreboard. He could take a cut at that train and derail it. (laughs) And so I'm very excited to get a chance to see him in the minors this year. He's one of the guys that I'm, I want to hear the sound of the ball hitting that bat because I'm going to guess that it's different. Yeah. I mean, he started last year at low A. He's at high A to finish the year. There's no reason not to try him out at double A to start this season after how he hit at high A as well. Someone could get hurt if they don't. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, this guy is legit worth being excited about now he's only been putting up like over the top elite numbers for one season and he did you know have some injuries last year as well so i would like to see him stay healthy for a full season but oh man when the, the this power guy... tool is so loud and yeah. he appears to be making enough contact that yes it's going to play that so. that's the thing i mean anybody can have a power tool but when you have a power tool and a hit tool that's when you really can get excited. No. There's no one there's protecting not, an elite yeah. hit tool, but it should be good yeah. enough that he'll be able to make use like, of it. The there's not some massive gap in his swing. At least no one's discovered it yet. I mean, he was facing some decent pitching last year, and I mean, he embarrassed some dudes. <laughs> oh, may it continue. Uh, who do we have up next? Yeah, next up we've got another intriguing corner outfield and potentially infield prospect, uh, Richie Palacios. He is our number nine prospect in the countdown. So I wrote one of the strangest articles of my brief wondrous career at covering the corner for this man in which Richie Palacios nailed the stunt jump in an ambulance to a Dan Carlin voiceover. (laughs) I encourage everyone to go read it. But the point is, he slashed 299, 389, 496 at double A last year, at 292, 434, 416 at AAA last year, and that was hundreds of plate appearances in each stop. Boy, can he hit, at least so far. 
we will and, see how he continues to rise to the occasion. And not just hit, he gets on base. Um, you look, uh, his walk rate at double A was elite. I mean, he hit 299, on base was 389. But then he goes to triple A, walk rate got even better. He hit 292, on base was 434 at triple A. And this wasn't in like a five game sample size. This is 145 plate appearances. So uh, that's impressive. I mean, un- basically, again, we've got another guy that can play the outfield. He can also play second base. And, I mean, he is a table setter. Uh, he He's not like the biggest power hitter. He does have some pop. Um, but uh, the fact that this guy, you know, frustrates pitchers, that's the kind of pit- player I like. And there's a, that's, that's the reason that he uh, was so high on the prospect countdown. I mean, he was great the entire last season. He can steal bases if they will let him as yeah. well. And yeah, just yeah. the fact that he's a naturally a second baseman, but sure, let's learn every outfield position. Why not? I mean, awesome. he just, yeah, he just made himself It tells uh, me everything I need to know about his makeup, right? Yeah, that yeah, he made himself. go out and do that? Dude just mm-hmm. wants to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he added versatility just to make himself more valuable to the, the team mm-hmm. uh, and, and open up more possibilities for if we need him. Again, very Quan-esque in terms of table setting. Um, interesting. Yeah. The, 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 uh, but what's interesting is he did this already. Like, he broke out the year we drafted him. If you remember, um, we drafted him, and this was back when we still had the – basically the half season a ball uh the Mahoning Valley scrappers as an extra level in the system before major yes. league baseball removed it but he started that year he went from the rookie league where he batted like 500 i mean it was ridiculous uh and then he went to the Mahoning Valley level and he embarrassed them at that level as well and then got promoted up to a uh, full season so, I mean, he, he crossed three levels after being drafted, like, and you could, don't get drafted till halfway through the season. So, uh, so he was on the fast track, but then, uh, he missed all of the 2019 season with a shoulder injury and then had the pandemic. So basically we missed him for two full seasons, but he didn't miss a beat coming back last year after being gone for two years. <laughs> remember me? Yeah. He's basically like, remember how everybody was really excited about me? Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm still really amazing. It's time for payback. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's a reason that, uh, that, that he performed so well last year. And it's because he already had that pedigree and, uh, and he just played right back. He basically, he's just like, okay, uh, you're you're going to promote me a couple extra levels to make up for those years I was gone, and I'm going to perform just like I I was mm-hmm. performing. So, speaking of high pedigrees, Gavin Williams is our number eight Guardians prospect. Yep. He's our number one pick in the draft in 2021. Yep. So, I mean, we didn't get a chance to see him in the minor league system, but what we saw out of him in the College World Series was ridiculous. I mean, this dude. First off, he's six foot six with a fastball that touches a hundred miles an hour. I mean, that's, ooh. that is enough already. And then you that's pair enough him to make me go, Ooh. Yeah. And then you pair him with uh, Cleveland's pitching development. Um, he is definitely somebody that I cannot wait to see how he performs this year when he finally does make his debut. I'm assuming that they're going to start him immediately at full season ball. 
And uh, I just, I want to see those poor kids up, uh, up at the plate, just shaking their head and walking back to the desk. <laughs> he rings them up. So uh, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that I think what had a 188 ERA struck out 130 and only walked 21. I mean, does that not scream Cleveland, Cleveland uh, pitching prospect to you? It absolutely does. And we were talking a little bit earlier about Curry's curveball. Now it's got that nice loopy 12 to six kind of motion. Mm-hmm. Williams has a great breaking ball too. Mm-hmm. He throws a slider and a curveball. The curveball has got a sharper dive and that's beautiful because his fastball is a laser beam. That, all of those pitches play really well off of each other. It's like, I'm so excited about the way his arsenal is set up. The slider helps the change up. Mm -hmm. The fastball helps the curveball and vice versa for all of it. And he's gone to a place where that's what they want you to do. And he's already doing it. (laughs) So the sky may be the limit. Yep. Yet another guy that could be uh, a mid to top of the rotation arm in a Mm -hmm. a year or two. So Mm -hmm. can't wait to see what he does this year, but the, the hype is real. And, uh, just stay healthy. That's all I ask. So keeping up with the uh, pitching prospects, we've got Logan T. Allen, the one true Logan Allen, uh, as our number seven Guardians prospect in the countdown. I think you called him uh, Logan Allen the Greater, Logan Allen Prime, Wolverine. <laughs> I might have called him Wolverine at one point. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past me. I still like... Like Logan Allen the Greater. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Just invokes mystery. Yeah, I mean, he was one of our top performing starting pitching prospects in the entire system last year. Um, what was what was impressive was Cleveland drafted him in 2020 as a college arm. So okay, you know, you expect him to be an advanced arm, but then when they he makes his pro debut. They didn't even start him at low A. They started him at high A. And the fact that he put up those numbers after basically skipping three levels um, at high A, he went 51.1 innings and had a 158 ERA. I mean, he was lights out for uh, the, the Lake County captains. So they were like, screw it. Let's promote him up to double A. And he's still... Uh, basically pitched the entire second half of the season, uh, a couple more innings at double A even than he had at high A, and a 285 ERA. This guy, again, elite strikeout to walk ratios, uh, hard to hit, sets everything up, good command, um, just screams uh, Cleveland starting pitcher, except he's a lefty, which is a a rarity in our system, or at least it was. He just, there there isn't anything about his peripherals to me that scream exceptional mm-hmm. in the way that some of the guys in, in the countdown have. Yeah. Like he's, he's not going to he... blow you away with a hundred mile an hour fastball, but yeah. it's low to mid nineties and he backs it up with elite control. And I'll tell you what, I'll take elite control over a hundred mile an hour fastball every, any day of the week. Yeah. Usually hundred mile an hour fastball doesn't come with elite control. Now, if you do have that, of course, you know, you're, uh, a Jake DeGrom or a Garrett Cole, but um, it just, it's, it's an extreme rarity that you have both of them at the same time. And uh, when you've got what Logan Allen has right now, um, it's, it's worth being excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I don't say any of that to doubt him. I just think it, it's interesting 
the different ways a prospect can sort of make it to this point in terms mm-hmm. of some of them. It's one very loud tool that gets you excited. And in another case, it's sort of the way he approaches the game leading to great results in Logan T. Allen. Mm-hmm. It's just baseball's neat, Brian. Who's yeah, next? It is. <laughs> uh, next up, it's our former number one prospect who uh, lost a little bit of luster last year, um, Nolan Jones. Uh, basically third base prospect that also has started to add a little bit of first base and corner and right field to his, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, from everything I heard, uh, you know, third base is still where he's best. Obviously that's where he's practiced the most, but uh, last year he, he did struggle uh, in terms of at least hitting. Uh, he struggled. I had a two thirty eight batting average, um, but he still did have a strong walk rate, uh, 14.5 walk percentage at AAA. And uh, even though he had a below average season in terms of contact and power, um, he still had an above average uh, WRC plus for the, the 2021 season. So, you know, for the people that are screaming, oh, man, you know, he's he's still he's not even that good. Uh, you know, he, he still was 113 WRC plus at AAA. So. It's- it's quite a bit of a drop from was a drop, the production though. we've seen from him in the past. Yes. Which was discouraging after the year off. But one thing I think we're going to see is, man, not everyone reacts to time off and adversity in the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why Carlos Santana wasn't as terrible until about June, but it's mm-hmm. just something that happens. There's weird things all over the yeah. place. And, and you have to remember... Um, he, that was his, uh, age 22 season, I believe last year. And, and it was his first time ever at triple a, um, he had only ever been at double a for less than half of a season in 2019. Cause at, in 2019, he started the year at high a mashed had a walk rate of 20.1% and then got promoted to double a where he also performed well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had never People. been at triple a and had only been at double a for less than half a season. And, you know, last year, triple a was a little bit tougher than, uh, than probably he expected. I would think um, the strikeouts were high, but it's not like they completely ballooned from what we've seen before. Yeah. And he I still mean, continue to be productive. I mean, the lowest strikeout rate he's ever had was 22.6%. And last year it was 30. Um, I mean, in 2019, when, he was putting up a 157 WRC plus at high A before earning the promotion to double A. His strikeout rate was 26.2%. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he's he's a guy that's going to strike out. Um, I think the biggest thing that we need to be concerned about is can he hit lefties? Um, in terms of uh, ratios, I think that's been the one thing that scared me more than anything is uh, that he hasn't put up great numbers against left-handed pitchers. Um, So we'll see how he uh, continues to perform. But, I mean, he's still a guy that walks at an elite rate, does have a ton of power potential. I think uh, his best season ever in terms of power has been 19 home runs in 2018. Uh, He had 15 home runs in 19, and last year he had 13. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last year he did showcase... Uh, some stolen bases had 10 stolen bases for the first time, uh, double digits. So making use of some of that, uh, 
ability to get on base by taking the extra base. And he's not an elite burner. So that's just pure base running, uh, you know, being a smart base runner and knowing when to, when to run. One thing I speculate about a little bit with Jones is one, <clears throat> I think we're hitting a little bit of prospect fatigue. Yes. He's been in the system for a while. We drafted him in 2016. And so. two, like that added to maybe there's the realization happening where top prospect does not always translate to top player. Yeah. A top prospect actually much more often becomes a two or three war guy for three or four years. Mm-hmm. And that's a great career. So I, I'm not trying to put out numbers to say that's what I think that Nolan Jones is going to do. But he certainly hasn't cratered and he's still on a path to being a productive major leaguer. We should celebrate that and look mm-hmm. forward to his season. Yep. Joy. So <laughs> I didn't know uh, I was going to get on a soapbox about that. That was yeah. weird. Now, uh, next up, we've got our number five prospect, Gabriel Arias. Uh, he's a guy that also made his debut at AAA last year. And I'd say the results were a little bit different in terms of expectations and results. So uh, take it away on Mr. Arias. You mentioned expectations versus results. Mm-hmm. To what end, I guess? Uh, I'd say it's because he had never even played double A and he was two years younger than Jones. So I see what you're saying. Cause I, yeah. like he was, he's been very good for us yeah. so far in the system. <laughs> so I wasn't, I wanted to make sure we were, I didn't think that you were trying to dunk on him in any way. No, 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 Just, no, no. It's, it's more, he, he arrived with some hype. I mean, he was part of, I think the Trevor Bauer or Mike Clevenger trade. Yeah. It was the Mike Clevenger trade. Um, but he had only ever played as high as high A at the time. And then, we got him. We didn't have the 2020 season and then boom, straight to triple a. And he had an excellent year last year at triple a. Um, yeah. Uh, we can speak of patience for Nolan Jones, but Arias had a higher slugging percentage and was a better overall hitter at a premium defensive position right next to it. Yeah. I mean, at a w- WRC plus was about the same. Um, because so. he doesn't have quite that same level of walk rate, but he also posted a career best walk rate Yeah, in his triple a debut season after never having played uh, even at double a who needs so, double a yeah. Who needs double a Screw Akron. Uh, but yeah, Kidding. this is the thing that excites me the most about him was basically his age 21 season. He jumps up two levels, posts a career high walk rate, a career low strikeout rate uh, didn't quite hit as many home runs as he had hit at uh, high A. He had 17 and back in 2019, he had 13 last year. But the fact that he posted his best batted ball numbers in terms of walkout rate, strikeout rate at triple A as a 21 year old at shortstop. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, no joke. I think he's our starting shortstop to start the year. Ooh. Ooh, okay. See, I'm, and this is not me putting any sort of shade on him. I'm not as high on Arias as I think some folks in the community yeah. are. I mean, the, the, the but main I, thing. I still think yeah. he could be a very, very good player. So, yeah. like, I get excited at seeing how excited people are about him. I mean, defensively, he's ready. Defensively, he's ready now. He has yes, an he absolute has. cannon. Uh, I heard he added some muscle in the offseason as well. So I'm expecting some improvement in the power department. The only thing I'm worried about is the hit. 
is he going to be able to hit at the major league level? I mean, last year was good. I mean, he batted 284 um, with a, th- a 348 on base percentage, which is above average. Uh, it's not elite, but it's good. And uh, will that translate to the major league level? I mean, I don't want to see him, you know, batting below like 240 and, and really struggle busting all season. But, <laughs> uh, but man, I really want to see what this kid can do. And and he is a huge upgrade over Ramon Rosario at shortstop in terms of defense. I mean, it's not even close. Yeah. And one I mean, thing I, I appreciate keep... Ahmad Rosario, but we've got so many shortstops coming up. He needs to go. He needs to not be hogging up a spot at shortstop. Like, why would you ever want to, you know, hurt your own prospects' chances because of Ahmad Rosario? Not if it was like, you know, a Lindor or something, I would understand it. But not for Amon Rosario. I'm sorry. May he find opportunities elsewhere. Um, with Arias, the one thing I think we can keep an eye on this year is the old Babip. Mm-hmm. It has been very high for his whole professional career, and that's not necessarily it, a sign of regression because there are yeah. some players who make such solid contact that they tend to run around 330, even 340 for periods of their career. Yeah, I mean, last year his BAPIP was 351, but, I mean, that's not even uh, that crazy high looking at his entire career. I mean, the year before, or in 2019, his BAPIP for the entire season was 378. It's never been below 325. The dude mashes the baseball. Yeah, he hits the ball hard, so that you're going to have a pretty good BAPIP. Um, And he doesn't, uh, you know, hit too many uh, pop-ups, so... Uh, you know, this is a guy that I am really in love with, and I think uh, we have a very good chance of seeing him consistently this year. Exciting. Yep. Coming to number four, this is the final pitcher here on our countdown. Yep. Daniel Espino. <sighs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, for all the love I've uh, gushed about so many of our other uh, pitching prospects, Espino's the guy that I like the most out of every one of them. I mean, this is a kid that we drafted out of high school. He had the best fastball in that entire draft. And so expectations are high, but to not only hit those expectations, but then exceed them um, just blows my mind. I mean, I think if he wasn't a pitcher and he was putting up these same types of numbers where he was just overwhelming the opposition, he'd be our number one prospect. And there are people that think he is already. Um, but last year, I mean, just listen to this in, uh, 91 innings, he struck out 15 batters per nine innings for the entire season as a starter. I mean, that's elite as a guy that comes in out of the bullpen and just throws gas as hard as he can for one inning and then is just spent for three days. Right. Indeed. I find it acceptable as well. (laughs) Yeah. The kid throws, uh, 102 miles an hour that he's, he's hitting 102 miles an hour right now in spring training. Um, so last year he had 152 strikeouts as one of the youngest, uh, players, one of the youngest pitchers at full season, the full season level. And that was 13th best in all of minor league baseball as a 19 year old. I mean, this kid is elite absolutely elite. And he doesn't just throw gas. He's got a 93 mile an hour slider that blows people away. Um, just to get this out there in spring training, he didn't appear in a guardians game, 
but he, this is just a word of mouth, but um, he had a performance against the Reds in a non, you know, exact game. Like but, a backfield game. Yeah. Uh, but out of the 10 outs that he got, uh, or no, he got, I think, seven strikeouts out of the 10 outs, and two of them were Nick Senzel. You know, major league, you know, one of the Reds' top prospects from a a couple years ago, uh, who is a good major league hitter. He got him with a 102 mile an hour fastball the first time, and the second time was with a 93 mile an hour slider. So, this kid, if you watch like the offseason stuff he does, he puts his body through hell. Like, he is constantly adding strength and explosiveness to him. Uh, I mean, I am to the moon about Daniel Espino. I mean, this kid could be, you know, a legendary Indians prospect or guardians prospect in, uh, when he, when he debuts. I don't know that we've had a guy quite like this. before. The the last time was CC Sabathia in terms of what they were capable of at that young age. Yeah. Cause I think Sabathia made his debut. He, He couldn't even, you know, drink a beer yet. And he was pitching in Cleveland. And I mean, I'm not saying it could happen. I mean, he this is his age 20 season, uh, and he's probably going to start the year either at high A or double A. It could happen if if he's continues to be as good as he has been. And we saw McKenzie make a, a pretty interesting climb the year that he first debuted. Yeah, so it's I not mean, he, totally impossible. Yeah, McKen- and McKenzie could have done that if he hadn't had the the injuries that slowed his development. And and now McKenzie's performing well at the major league level, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I mean, Espino, there was a, a game last year where he had, he pitched four innings and all 12 outs were strikeouts. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Like he was our minor league player of the year, according to Baseball America, for a reason. I mean, this kid is worth getting excited about. Tyler Freeman comes in at number three next on the prospect countdown. Uh, people continue to be excited about how he can hit. And as far as I know, he's still considered a prospect on both sides of second base as well. I mean, he's he's been playing a third base or shortstop pretty much his entire run. Um, so I, I do think the future's at second just because we've got so many other great shortstops on the way. But yeah, I mean, this kid has been able to hit his entire career. The only thing I'm worried about now is how he uh, finished last year. I mean, he was... Really strong, slashed 323, 372, 470, 130 WRC plus a double A. I mean, that was phenomenal last year. But uh, he really struggled with injuries. And basically the whole last two, two and a half months of the season, he missed. And it was shoulder again, which has been a problem in the past. So that's really the only thing I'm concerned about with him. I mean, this guy has an elite hit tool. Um, he's hard to strike out. He still gets on base because he gets hit by a lot of pitches, even if he doesn't walk a ton. Um, and he's, uh, pretty quick. So, I mean, he does everything you want him to and plays a premium position, whether it's shortstop or second base, right? It's just, can he stay healthy? You know, are those shoulders going to be a problem? Cause this is the second time he's had shoulder problems. So I'm excited to see what he can do. For sure, because I think we've always known the bat is going to play at a major league level. It's just a question of will he quite reach the ceiling or not. Mm-hmm. 
he is so close now and like you i'm just i'm hoping that he stays healthy so we can start to see yeah i mean he lost out on development last year if he just stayed healthy he'd have finished the year at triple a yeah but now he's gonna have to debut this year at triple a if he's healthy and that i i don't think i've seen anything about him getting in and getting reps during spring training even yet so i don't know Hmm. if he's even healthy right now so that's 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 the the main concern though is you know this kid is crazy talent but can he stay stay in the lineup? Will so, someone please give the man a back rub? That's not going to fix his problems, but I just feel like he deserves it for what he's been mm-hmm. through injury-wise. Yep. So uh, next up, we've got another shortstop prospect. Uh, who'd have thought another member of that 2017 international signing class, Brian Rocchio. The professor. Uh, yep. Who we've mentioned uh, already a couple times in this podcast, but you know this was a kid that, for some reason, even though he was good in his like last year was his full season debut, I believe, and they debuted him at high A, so he skipped low A, skipped low A, <laughs> and then they promoted him halfway through the season, and he did better at double A than he did at high A. So at double A, he slashed two ninety three, three sixty five oh five. So. Um, just blew my mind really how, how good he was last year. Uh, he's, he's elite defensively and he's, um, somebody that is really coming along offensively as well. I'm looking forward to seeing him play a little bit more this spring Mm -hmm. because the couple of highlights we saw the last time we got to see him in good year, he made some awesome defensive plays so yeah. I, this is part of the reason i'm not quite as excited about arias as some other folks is rokio just looks spectacular at least mm-hmm. from my perspective like i cannot wait to see him once he makes it all the way yeah i think really the only concern at all looking at any of his uh, numbers is uh last year the, the the strikeout rate did go up uh his first couple years uh it was you know 12 percent at you know, the rookie ball, it was uh, 13% when he got promoted to uh, low A. But then last year, it was 22% at high A. But it did drop when he went to double A, down to 20%. So what I would really like to see is to get him, get that strikeout rate below 20% again. He's maintained a walk rate in the you know mid sixes his entire minor league career for the most part. So if he can just get that strikeout rate to, to you know, get a little bit closer to, to where it was, I think, um, offensively he's, he's going to be ready to go. Cause I mean, he hits the ball hard. Uh, he makes solid contact. Um, I just don't want him to, you know, be whiffing all the time now. I mean, he's not having alarming strikeout, right? 20% isn't even that scary anymore considering what we see at, at the major league level sometimes. True. But he also stole a, a career high 21 bases last year. So or actually it wasn't career high. He stole 22 in his rookie uh, debut. So maybe, debut. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no. Rokio is a guy that, yeah, you have every right to be excited about. That brings us to the number one Cleveland guardians prospect as voted on by covering the corner.com readers. And it probably doesn't surprise anyone that it's George Valera. Yep. I mean, the hype has been there ever since we first got him. Uh, he was one of our 
the, the two guys that basically, when we had that international signing class, they're like, it was worth an article just about, Hey, Cleveland got this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year he really took it to that next level. Um, when he was at high a with, uh, Rokio and, and all the other crew of, uh, top prospects, he posted in uh, 63 games. Now this is over 63 games, a walk rate of 20.9%. That's insane. That is insane. And he dropped his strikeout rate. Uh, Cause in 2019, so this is two years earlier when he started the year at uh, low a, uh, the, the Mahoning Valley team, the half season low A, um, his walk, uh, strikeout rate was 27.7%. And then he earned a promotion to regular single A, which was the Lake County captains at the time. Um, back then, that was before the captains and Lynchburg flip-flopped from low A and, and to high A. But uh, And then when he got promoted, his strikeout rate spiked up to 34.6%. So I was starting to get a little alarmed about the strikeouts, but then it drops down to 22% last year while walking 20.9. I mean, that's, that's absolutely baffling. His on-base percentage at high A over 63 games was 430. 430. Excellent. (laughs) That is excellent. And he mashed 16 home runs and every one of them he bat flipped. I'm going to throw a comparison out there. It's probably going to get me in trouble, but I'm offering it not as an assessment of where I think his career could go or what his talent level is, but just sort of the overall feel of the player. There's just something very Manny Ramirez about him to me. Like He's got the elite eye. He plays the game with passion and sort of just goes about his own weird business flipping bats when he <laughs> smashes another one out of the park. He is going to play baseball his way. He's going to have a lot of fun doing it, and and it's going to be a hard time for you. I, I think maybe the more current comparison would be Juan Soto, mm-hmm. uh, especially from a handedness point of view and that that sort of intensity at the plate. But just yeah. these are the, these the are sort only of legendary thing... players with um, I don't know. They get in your head when you're a pitcher. Mm-hmm. It yeah, matters. He... You the only thing he's it, missing, but... yeah, the only thing he's missing offensively right now is a higher hit tool. Um, I don't think he's hit higher other than his rookie uh, ball debut when he only pitched played for six games. But ever since he's last year was the best he hit, which was two fifty six at high A and two sixty seven at double A. So um, so. He, you know, if he was a Ramirez, Ramirez was batting like 333 during the regular season. I don't know if we're going to see that sure. much from anybody at the major league level anymore with the way pitchers are. But um, that's the one thing I would like to see improve in his game is, is add a little bit more contact when he is swinging. But um, pitchers the, the power... also tend to tighten around the zone yeah. as yeah. you ascend through the system but too. So if, a guy yeah, who's got an he, elite eye, I think is... Exactly. And yeah. if he's going to force pitchers to have to get into the zone with him because he's walking so much, then <laughs> that will open up those opportunities. Because last year, overall, he hit 19 home runs, stole 11 bases. Um, he is somebody to be really, really excited but that's, about. That's kind of what I... That's a good point. 
you mentioning making him making the pitcher throw the pitch to him. Mm-hmm. That's what reminds me of Manny the most, I think, yeah. is you hear the stories about Ramirez going up. He just looks at three strikes and sits back down. And they're like, what the hell? He's like, it wasn't the right pitch. I'm not going to swing at that. And then the next at bat, he gets another pitch and he cranks it. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I guess I'm not going to question this. <laughs> yeah, I, I stopped He's questioning He's got that Manny. confidence at the plate. That's what I, gets me excited. Yeah, I stopped questioning Manny when he averaged over an RBI a game for a season. That was pretty neat. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and again, so I, I don't I don't think he's necessarily going to be a 60 plus war player for his career. I don't want to put those expectations on a guy. I just I love his confidence and it reminds me of some great players. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see that bat flip at the major league level. I Ooh. really can't. It's going to happen. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, I think uh, we've just about wrapped it up in terms of uh, this podcast. We we. We're considering talking about some of the kids that uh, didn't quite make the cut are still worth talking about, but I think we're going to save that for next week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and without, that'll be fun. We'll be able yeah. to dig into them a little bit deeper. So uh, without further ado, I think we have a certain uh, poet that needs to help us uh, close out the episode. I have a, a selection from E.E. E. Gammings, if that's acceptable. That sounds wonderful. Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> Appropriateness. If I would always... Always stir your agony. Retweet this if you feel weariness. Like this if you feel repulsive. Volcano. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.